1: and every perfect gift comes down from above from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness neither shadow of turning that's the king james i'm quoting um the the i pointed out on last week that the words gift, there's seven words that I gave you that translate gift in scripture. and I'm going to give them to you real quickly just, just for by way of review. And I'm going to go through this real quickly, but what I want to talk to you today about is the gift of eternal life. Everybody say the gift of eternal life. There are some things that we've become so accustomed to that when we hear mentioned, they don't excite us anymore. The gift of eternal life. And in James... He he uses words, and what's interesting is when you read it in the King James, the word gift is used twice, successively, good gift and perfect gift, and you just think in our English vernacular it's just gifts. But James was making a statement by the the use of the words that the Holy Spirit chose. It it says in in the Greek, every agathos um, dosis and every teleian." The uh, dorima in the in the Greek is from above. It comes down from the God, uh, from the Father of lights, and who, uh, he's the God who um, is not a moving target and he's need, He's not shady. That's what the word variableness means, that he sh- shifts around. And a sh- uh, shadow of turning means that he's shady. Um, he can, God can be trusted, what God says he means, and that's what this is about. Now, what I want to help you with today, and I really, really want us, want us to get this, is in, in my line of work, we... We are called by God to keep before the faces of the people the truth that, that we're in a time vacuum. And what that means is this, this, at the end of everything, there's a life force. The life of God is pulling us, sucking us as a vacuum towards the end. And when we say the end, many generations have heard the end so long that, that we think that, well you, know, well, you know, it's not as bad as they say. Sometimes what you have to do is you have to take a backdrop and put it up to show how important a situation is. The Bible says that God gives us gifts. I want to read two scriptures to you before we get into the lesson after I give these definitions. And I'll do my best to condense today, start today, and maybe finish next week. Can I do that? I'll give you seven words. The first word is the word didomi, D-I-D-O-M-I. Didomi is a Greek word that simply says, it's a simple statement of giving. I gave a gift or the Gift was given. It doesn't say anything about the gift, the giver, or the receiver. It just says the gift was given. Then there's the, the word DOMA. DOMA is a different word because it speaks of the character of the gift and not the character of the giver. Um, in other words, a person received a gift and they say, Well, I got a gift and it was a good gift. Um, it didn't say that it came from a dad that you hadn't seen in 15 years. So it speaks of the good gift, but it doesn't talk about the person that gives it. Doron is, is another word. Doron is a gift given to God. Any, any, any gift presented to God, the Holy Spirit chose the word predominantly, the word Doron, to say this is a gift for God. And I can't give it to other people because it's for God. So no, you can't give your tithe to, to someone else. That's not the way it works. Gifts that are given to the poor are called alms. Gifts that are given um, to God are called offerings. But the tithe is, is the Doron that I give to God. It's his. I give it back to him. Then there's the word or, or doria, which means a free gift with no strings attached. It means that, that I give you a gift and I expect nothing from you. That the only difference between a bribe and a gift is what the giver expects in return. Then the, the, the next word is the word dosis. That's the first word up here. Every, every um, agathos, the word agathos means benevolent or beneficial. And the word dosis means a gift given. The emphasis of dosis is the actual giving of the gift. Um, the Bible says every benevolent giving, every beneficial gift that you receive, it comes from God. And the next word is the word dorima. That's the second word, thilean doma or, or dorima, And it's, it's the result of a gift received. In other words, um, it's not so much the, that he gave me $1,000, but it, I was able to pay off this bill with it. The result is the emphasis of the word dorima. I also said to you that any word that ends in ma, M-A in the Greek, it focuses not on the thing itself but on the result of it. And this is really boring, isn't it? Let me, let me share something with you. <laughs> and I, I want to do this. You have to understand the, the Holy Spirit's intent as he differentiates preaching and teaching. In preaching, God goes after your heart to get to your head. But in teaching, God goes after your head to get to, get to your heart. In preaching, God, will, God will, will, will talk to you about something you don't know nothing about. He was you have someone scream it at you, preach it with conviction at you, and it will arrest your heart and you respond to it like you know what he's talking about. So most of us got saved responding to preaching. We didn't we had no idea up here what God was talking about, but in here we knew it was real. That's preaching. Preaching is the proclamation of the word, it goes straight to the heart and it makes you make a decision. But teaching is the opposite, it goes after the head so that it can elevate the heart. And today what I want to do is I'm going after your head. So, so please don't sleep on me because I'm going after your head. Everybody tell your neighbor he's going after my head. He's going after my head. Yeah, this is target practice. I'm going after your head because if I can get, get you to understand what you invested in. How many of you are born again? Lift your hand. You're saved and you know you're saved. Okay, put your hand down. If you died in this moment, you're going to heaven. You You, you Okay, good. Less people raise their hand for that, but we're going to address that. Now, now let me show you that the last word for giving is the word charisma. It comes from the Greek word charisma, which is the word for grace, um, undeserved favor. And then the, with adding the, the suffix "mater" and charisma means the result of an undeserved gift. Everyone said that. Say the result of an undeserved gift. The result of an undeserved gift. That is the grace of God. And so I'm going to read to you today. Um, some scriptures. I want, I want to walk you through this. Um, it, it, is my intent, it is my intent that the Lord will, will speak to us about the importance of receiving the gift of eternal life. Um, on the screen for me, John chapter 6, verse 23. John chapter 6 and verse 23. I'm sorry, go make that Romans. Make that Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Thank you so much. Everyone read this out loud with me. Ready? Read. For the wages of sin... uh Uh-huh. Read it one more time. For the... uh Uh-huh. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. When I started to, to... Think about what it was I was going to talk about today as as far as talking about the giving of God, the gifts of God. The Holy Spirit, as I was sitting through the commencement exercise yesterday, he spoke about, he spoke to my heart about the gift of eternal life. And I thought to myself, when I teach this, people are going to sit there and look at me like, you know, that's for sinners. But I think that most believers don't even understand this. So I want to show you what was at stake. When when you understand how sin works, and Galatians says it like this It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. That would it mean, the word corruption is, di- is a different word. It's our English word decay. So what it looks like is, I could sin a thousand times and see no results, but the ground. And the air and the earth remembers it. It's it's, it's built in. When Satan hijacked man, he hijacked us in such a way where he built our sin problem into into God's design. So in the earth, God designed that whatever seed you plant will reproduce after its its kind. So Satan designed sin the same way. When I do something wrong, I I reproduce after its kind. The problem is this. Every one sin I commit can produce an entire tree of consequences. Every seed produces a tree. And, and so the, a man not knowing that, not being aware of that, we constantly would go around dropping seeds of sin and, and planting this, this entire forest of consequence. The wages of sin. The difference between when you look at sin and the gift of God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Um, wages begin with the work. So I work first, then I get paid after. The gift is different in, I'm given the gift and I have to receive it. Notice with, in the wage, it begins with me. And then it, it's, it's put into someone else's hand. But the gift, it begins with someone else and then it comes to, into my hand. I have to receive it. And, and when God is, is addressing this, we just don't get what he's saying. What he's saying to us is, this is a problem. And here's why. Because even even when we're sleeping, the sin tree is still producing. And no matter how God looked at it, there was no way. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, God searched for a man. He looked for someone to stop this cycle and he found no one to stop it. So this cycle passed from generation to generation and so people are going to die. But physical death was not the, the worst of the problem. The worst of the problem was this thing cut us off from God. That means eternally we would die. Well, if we died in this state with no rescue uh, made possible, we were done internally separated from God. It, the generation that's born today, especially the millennials and people born in the 90s, maybe the 80s, uh, have this assumption based on what they've seen that, that anyone, everyone that dies goes to heaven. So I'll never forget when Biggie Small died. I mean, I, I, was, I was following the rap game. I mean, I was a preacher, but I was following the rap game. That was crazy. But I was. Because I, I, I appreciate art. And I remember when, when, uh, when P. Diddy came out and it's all white and he did that big, that big uh, appearance at some awards show. He had a picture of Biggie like Biggie was in heaven. Now, I'm not saying Biggie is not in heaven. We didn't come here to discuss that. I'm just saying that it's taken for granted that everyone that dies automatically goes to heaven. And that is not true. And then even as I preach grace to the people of God, some people get the the, uh, impression that because I have the grace of God, I can do whatever I want to do. And and we're missing the point of grace. Sin was so awful and so destructive and so perpetual that God said, I got to do something to stop this. And watch this now. So he comes and he sends his son. He gives his son. His son is the second Adam to start a whole new line of people because the first line, Adam's line, everything that Adam touched dies. So he, God gave us a way to be born again, to be born into another line, another bloodline of a person that didn't sin. So the same way that Adam's um, sin created sin, then Jesus' righteousness reproduces righteousness. Amen. But when we see it, we hear it so much in churches, it just seems so normal that we forget that not everybody that dies goes to heaven. So what I'm going to do today, I, I, in Safe Harbor, I did it backwards, I did I did, the first, I did the last part first and the first part last. So I want I to put it in proper order. One of the things that came to me, come to me, when, when we study to preach to you, we have choices. What happens is the, the Lord will speak a topic, and do, I can conduct what's called a topical study. In a topical study, I go through my Bible. I find all the scriptures that deal with this topic. I grab the ones that I think are appropriate to explain in that session, and I say, okay, I will preach from these scriptures, knowing that I have not covered the whole topic. Okay? But I've given you what I feel is what's necessary to know. The second way to approach a text or scripture is that you find one text, like like Romans 6, 23, and you say, out of that, I'm going to do what's called an exegetical study. Exegesis simply means I'm going to pull out some points from this. And so instead of preaching from a topic, now I use a scripture and I pull three topics out of that. So it's easy. If you look at the scripture, you see the first topic will be the wages of sin. It's death. You see that? It's so easy. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's good. The third one is through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's easy to do exegetical preaching. If you know what you're talking about, I could preach this for an hour. So it was strange to me when the Holy Spirit says to me, I want, you to, I want you to talk to the people about the book of life. The first thing that grabbed me was I've never preached on the book of life. Ever. In 30 years. Never preached on the book of life. I've studied it, but never preached it. So I want to begin today by, by showing you or giving you information about the book of life. Have you ever wondered about the book of life? Have you ever wondered how your name, could, how your name gets in there? Have you ever heard people say that when you sin, the Holy Spirit leaves you? Have you ever wondered if when you sin, uh, um, God takes your name out of the book, and is, is God forever removing your name and putting it in? What, how does that work? That's what I want to talk about today. Because when we explain that, then it, eternal life is going to make sense. It's a very scary thing when you start uh, treading around the book of Revelation. When things are wrapping up, we are now in what's called the age of the Gentiles. It's called the dispensation of grace. Uh, Jesus called it the acceptable year of the Lord or the season where God does not impute sin. It's a weird thing. You don't believe this. But you know, God, is not, God has opened the door to everyone and said, whosoever will let him come. You believe in Jesus Christ. You come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he says, watch this now. Your sin will not be charged against you. That is the gospel. It sounds too good to be true, but it's the, that's why it's called good news. But here's the thing. When that window closes, and the window closes when the church is raptured, when the church is taken out of the earth and that window closes, we enter into a season that's called tribulation. We don't talk about that a lot. Tribulation is a seven-year period. Different people have different beliefs about tribulation. I won't bore you with the differences of opinion. All theologians think they know everything, and none of us do. But I'm going to tell you this. there's certain things in Scripture that are, that are absolutely clear. And the, the more you read them, the scarier they get. As a matter of fact, I, I think we should teach on that first. Then come back and preach on salvation or the free gift of eternal life. Then it will make sense. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart
0: Ramsey imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking
1: Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because you know it it really takes faith to pray. You You have to trust that God is like a person, He's a real person, and that He's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book
0: you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey available now at Amazon, iTunes and wherever books are sold. And now a word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. Yeah. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Uh-huh. Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift, simply download the free NCC Family app available in the app stores for iTunes and Google Play. That's it. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart and empower your walk. Yo. Subscribe today to Hart Ramsey's Uplift. Join Pastor Hart Ramsey and the NCC family for Watch Night 2018. Yeah. Featuring special guest three-time Grammy Award nominee Kim Burrell. Well, he
1: morning started me on my way gave me grace and strength just to see another day it's a new day yes it is Holla.
0: join pastor hart ramsey along with special guest kim burrell and the stellar award nominated ncc family choir for watch night 2018 yeah. december 31st 200 Dome Lane in Dothan, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Doors open at 8.30 p.m. Service begins at 9 p.m. No matter what you've experienced in 2018, 2019 is for the better. I know you're going to dig this. Watch night 2018. Be there. Be there. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey.
1: Now, I want you to follow me because I'm going to get myself... 20 minutes and then I'll be done. The first time the, 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 first time the book of life is mentioned in scripture is in a strange occurrence. Moses goes up on the mountain to, to um talk with God. God calls him up to the mountain. And while he's up there, God is telling Moses all kinds of secrets that Moses has never heard before. Have you ever wondered how Moses wrote the book of Genesis? Think about it. Moses lived in the book of Exodus, but he wrote the book of Genesis. You, you ask yourself, well, how, how can, he wasn't there. Well, how do you think he you know all that stuff? God told him. When? When he came up on the mountain. And the Bible actually tells us when it happened. There was, a, there was an instant where Moses says to God, God says, you found favor in my sight. And Moses says to God, if I found favor in your sight, then show me your glory. And God said, oh, that's a hard thing. He said, I can't show you my face and allow you to live. He said, here's what I'll do for you, though. He said, I will take you, and I want you to stand in the cleft of the rock. And God says, I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to put my hand over your face as I pass by. And then I remove it so you could see. And the King James says, so you can see my hand parts. Now, we have to conclude, if we take that literally, that God mooned Moses. And if that's the case, I don't see how that was beneficial. But when you study the word, that's not what it says. It says that God passed by, put his hand over Moses' face, and allowed Moses to see his history. Because the word "hinder," part and the word history is the same word. that The translator chose the wrong word. It was the word history. God showed him everything that happened before. Here's what God told Moses. I will cause my goodness to pass before you. And starting at the book of Genesis, God showed Moses his goodness. That's how he was able to write the book. But also God told Moses things that we have to conclude. I'm going to show you in scripture. When Moses comes down the mountain in Deuteronomy chapter... Uh, matter of fact, give me uh, Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32 and verse 31. Um, Moses is coming down the mountain, the Bible says, and Moses return, the Bible says that when, when he comes down, he sees the people uh, with a calf. They, they're having a party. He's wondering, what's going on? He looks closer. They built a golden calf, and the people are saying, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Immediately, Moses' mind goes back up the mountain because God just told him some ima- amazing things. For example, he told him about Adam's sin. He told, he told Moses something that, that you're going to find in the text. He told Moses this, I have written everybody's name In a book. Every person that will ever be born ever in the history of the world, before I created anyone or anything, I wrote everybody's name in a book. Why do you write a book? To memorize stuff. To record stuff. A record is written so history will not be misunderstood or mistaken. Whenever you see anyone involved in revisional history, they're always up to no good. When you're rewriting history, that means you're trying to dupe somebody. You got it? But, so God says to Moses, I've written everyone in, everyone's name in a record. I've written their name in a book. And as he says, people will get a chance to choose what they want. But watch this. But I've already scheduled them for salvation. I've already scheduled Moses that I'm going I'm to do something for my people. I'm going to forgive them when they sin so I could keep their name written in the book. Because everyone in the book is going to be saved. Now, with that understanding, here's what happens. New Living Translation, if you don't mind. The Bible says, so Moses returned to the Lord. He saw what they did. He returned to the Lord. And he said, oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves, verse 32. And he says this, but now if you will only forgive their sin. Here's what Moses said. He said, now you just told me that, if, that, if, that when people sin, you forgive them. He says, so now I need you to forgive the sin. But if not... Erase my name from the record you've written. Two things jump out of the scripture for me. One is Moses said, Moses is telling God, we can tell the conversation you just had with God because Moses said, they just sinned against you. Forgive them. But if not, if you have to block somebody's name out, don't block theirs out, block mine. Number one, is the first time the book of life is ever mentioned in scripture. Number two, Moses is doing what Jesus was, is going to do eventually. He's saying this watch this now take their sin, put it on me so they can be safe. How many of you see that? And thus, the first time we have a, a, a look through the life of Moses at who Jesus is going to be the people of God whose sins have been forgiven have their names written in the book of life. It's what's amazing is, you say, Pastor, how you know this was written before? I'm going to show you. Put Revelation chapter 13 and verse 7 up there. I'm going to show you now from the scripture that, that this book was not just written. And you think, well, you say, Pastor, what I believe is when people get saved, God writes their name in the book. Okay. If you can show me one scripture where God is recorded as writing Anyone in the name of the book, after they get saved, I eat the Bible. It's not there. I've looked all through Scripture. Me and many theologians, we looked all through Scripture. It's not there. We we see no place where God writes the name. Only one time, here it is. It says, and the beast was allowed to wage war against God's people. This is during the tribulation. God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. Verse 8. And it says... Verse 8, real quick, and all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. Here's what he said. All the people who bought into the world system, who wanted nothing to do with God, here they were in a situation where the beast came to deceive and they fell for it. And it says that they, they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life. Read those next words with me. Before the world was made, the book that belongs to the Lamb... Two lessons we learn from here. There's lessons in here. Let's learn them. First thing we learn is this. People who belong to the world, who choose the world over God, somehow their names are removed from the book of life. You say, Pastor, how do you know their names were ever written? Well, the Bible says the book of life was written before the world was made. And when you study this book, what you're going to find is what God does is He writes everybody's name in there, He puts them under the blood of Jesus, and then they have the opportunity to say, You know what? I don't think I would take that deal. Yeah. No, you remember the old show, Let's Make a Deal? Yeah. Remember that? Okay, so here, here, how many of you remember Let's Make a Deal? I could tell your age. Well, it just came out again, right? So, you all obviously... Okay, so, so here are your options. You can take what's in the box. Or what's behind door, number one. I mean, you see, and you're, you're given this option. And you go, well, I've watched this show before and people have won cars. So you say, tell you what, I, I trade the box for the door. And then when, when, when the door opens, it's a foul. Right? That's what it's like. God writes our name in the book. We, we are born into this world. We go, man, I like this. And we spend all our time trying to make a name for ourselves in this earth. We spend all our time trying to become rich, trying to become famous, try, trying to do all we trade eternity we trade our soul for recognition and for comfort and for all, all the things that's offered to us. And the Bible says what happens to these people is when the beast who is the false prophet when he comes along in Revelation, they, don't, they have no connection with God so they can't tell the difference. So all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life. Before the world was made, now the, I'm tell you this. Um, and you say, Pastor, well, it seems to me like the Bible is saying that their name were never written. Th- that, that's not the case. Remember, all, the only evidence we have is of God blotting out names. Never do we see God ever writing names, and names are blotted out as people decide God, I don't want you. It was never the case. I've never. I studied all through the scriptures. I never saw anywhere where God just said, "You know what? You did wrong." I'm going to take your name out of the book. It was never that. It was always people choosing the world or the enemy or something over God. And God is like, well, they don't want me. So I just. So what is this book of life? What is the book of life? Well, I want to show you this. Go to uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Jesus sends his disciples out to to, uh, to minister to the people in the area, and the Bible says he sent them two by two, and when they come back, they are so excited, and here's why. They said when they went out, they will speak to devils, and the devils will respond. They said whenever we called your name, they said, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. Demons didn't even know it wasn't you. They thought it was you when we called your name. And they came back excited. The Bible says when the 72 um, disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Verse 18. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look at verse 19. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing. Will. Give me King James. I, I like that, but a King James is better. Here's what the King James says. He says, behold, I have given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If the Lord declares that nothing can hurt you, you, say, well, Pastor, I'm hurt. you let the hurt happen because it's not supposed to be able to hurt you. When the, there's two different words here. The word power is the word exousia. The, word, the second word power is the word dunamis. Here's what the Lord says. I have given you authority over the ability of the enemy. I've given you authority over the ability. Anything he can do, you got authority over it. That's, that's not enough of you happy about that. He said, Watch this. He said, I don't care what the enemy's doing in your life. He said, But it's hurt so bad. Take authority over it. The enemy's job, his, his job is to do wrong, to do wrong against you. He wants to hurt you. So, what you do is, when you know what his game is, he needs to know what your game is. I got power over what you got. My, my authority works against your ability. Watch this now. He says, Nothing. Everybody shout nothing. nothing. Shout nothing. nothing. He says, Nothing shall by any means hurt you. In the Greek, it says harm you. That's wonderful. Now, look look at verse 20. And Jesus says, notwithstanding.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey.
1: We invite you to join the
0: NCC Family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.